0: let's start with an honest correction monday i said the idols were placed in the mass at saint peter's basilica that had been the plan but apparently at the last moment it was placed at another parish in the vatican or in nearby rome however there are reports that bowls of soil had been placed on or near the altar in saint peter's and bowls of soil are often filled in for as idols for the demon we call p so there's that either way it's an honest mistake and i apologize for for the error now on to today's issue There had been a strange presence at the Amazon Synod, and I'm not talking about pagan idols and indigenous peoples of South America being exploited by the Germans to promote their own modernist agenda. No, I'm talking about the presence and influence of United Nations officials and those engaged in sustainable development work. As you heard yesterday, the main thrust of the Synod final document wasn't the promoting of revolutionary changes to the sacrament of holy orders, though there certainly was a little bit of that sprinkled in too. The main thrust was further secularization of the church, with the promotion of the UN's population control agenda under the guise of sustainable development as the focus of the document. In fact, the focus is so much on that topic that I'm going to think that this document as should be called Laudato C 2 Pagan Boogaloo. Pagan because, as I'll discuss tomorrow, there is an attempt to accept pagan spirituality as well. Again, more on that tomorrow unless there is some major piece of breaking news let's hop into our wayback machine and time travel back to october 1st 2019. tradition family and property or tfp reported that two very non-catholic figures were invited to the synod american investment banker jeff Sachs and former u.n secretary general ban ki moon why were a banker and a u.n official invited to what has been largely sold as a pastoral synod for the syn- amazon has the banking industry in the united nations taken a sudden interest in making sure the indigenous peoples of South America had adequate access to the sacraments. Uh, I'm pretty skeptical of that. In fact, extremely skeptical. I'll quote TFP's piece on this instead. Quote, Sachs is a special advisor to the current UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres on the UN's Sustainable Development Goals, a role he played for Ki-moon when he was Secretary General. A fan of medical Moloch worship, as we call it on this channel, as a method of population control, Sachs has nevertheless been invited to collaborate with the Vatican a number of times. In 2013, he delivered a keynote lecture for the Pontifical Academy of Sciences. In April 2015, he moderated and co-hosted a Vatican conference on climate change, shortly before the release of Pope Francis's encyclical on the environment, Laudato Si, and gave a presentation at a Vatican conference on children and sustainable development that November. He was invited to a Vatican conference called Health of People, Health of Planet, and Our Responsibility, Climate Change, Air Pollution, and Health, in November 2017. Ki-moon was the Secretary General of the United Nations between January 2007 and December 2016. A diplomat by training, Kim moon used his position to campaign against climate change and made the Paris Agreement a legally binding treaty soon after its introduction. The former UN chief was invited alongside Sachs to the Vatican's April 2015 climate change conference, sparking a protest from the anti-Moloch group Voice of the Family, who stated that that pro-family lobbyists at the UN had seen how environmental issues had become an umbrella under which to attack human life and parental rights. End quote. If you're not familiar with my use of the term medical Moloch worship, it's code. At times, it, if, it, at times we need to speak in what I feel is obvious coded language on issues our masters find too touchy to be discussed publicly. Now, Sachs has a long history of drafting sustainable development documents for the UN. Remember, he's a banker, and he's drafting sustainable development documents. That's kind of curious, isn't it? Continuing with the TFP article, quote, The sustainable development goals which Sachs helped to draft include a goal to ensure universal sexual and reproductive health rights, a euphemism for legalization of medical Moloch worship on demand and giving children access to contraceptive drugs and devices, as well as Moloch worship without parental knowledge. Ki-moon was in Rome again in 2016 to meet with Pope Francis before the first global conference on sport and faith that October. The Secretary-General thanked the pontiff for his support of sustainable development to help the environment. Few, for example, when world leaders adopted the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development, it was the Pope who urged an appeal to world leaders. He urged world leaders to have a stronger and visionary co- commitment for the world, people, and planet, so that they can live in peace and prosperity through partnership, Kim Moon said. End quote. Yes, these are the people Francis invited to the Amazon Synod. Very curious. At least it would have been on October 1st. But once a synod document was released, it wasn't surprising at all. It's why I and Trad Patrick said yesterday that the talk of Deaconesses and other radical changes were largely a smokescreen. The real agenda is something far more sinister and more satanic. After hearing all of that, to be clear, much of this is to level the world's wealth between the rich superpowers and the so-called developing countries of the world. There are some money quotes, so to speak, that make the point for me. From the document itself. The developed countries have enriched themselves in large measure thanks to colonialism. They ignore this and hope to continue with their comfortable life. The question is how to bring conversion to the former colonizers, end quote. That's definitely one take, and like most bad takes on a situation, it's rooted in truth. It is absolutely true that many Western corporations and governments had exploitive relationships with the countries of South America, but to see the church condemn colonialism in South America is bizarre, to say the least. And they've forgotten the example of Our Lady of Guadalupe, because these people often accuse the Spanish missionaries and the early Spanish conquerors of being colonializers and then saying that that was evil what they did, which is, again, bizarre. Makes you wonder if they actually believe in the apparition of Our Lady of Guadalupe. One thing it seems that they believe in is liberation theology, which is a Marxist-influenced corruption of the Catholic faith. When it's institutionalized like the maniacs are trying to do with the Synod, the result is empowering the UN to operate in the region. One proposal that the document contains is the proposal to create a governing zone in the Amazon overseen by the U.N. and not by the Brazilian government. The president of Brazil, who is often the subject of media smear pieces similar to what we see in the U.S., has spoken out about this and has been opposed to the Amazon Synod from the start because his administration saw this as an attempt to undermine the sovereignty of Brazil by the United Nations. That, by the way, is a form of colonialism that these German maniacs are guilty of. Not that they care about such things. They're too busy running their own parallel synod in Germany to adopt the sacramental abuses proposed in the synod document in their own country to care about little things like ideological consistency. Instead, they're dumping fuel on the fire of the auto-demolition of the church, which is what I think the real point of this is. An embrace of the secularism due to the loss of faith of many of the bishops of the church, not all certainly, but many of them. I know some people will probably bristle at that, but let's open our eyes and admit what we're seeing here. Of course, we shouldn't overlook the role of non-governmental organizations at the Synod, either. There has been a veritable alphabet soup of agencies present, including Repem and numerous others. We knew about this ahead of time, too, which is why it shouldn't have surprised anyone that the document was a secular technocratic proposal document that was poorly written, even by policy walk standards, and that is saying something. These kinds of organizations work hand in hand with the United Nations, and in recent years have had a weird presence in Vatican City as the secularization of the church has increased. A major point of intersection for these organizations would be the Pontifical Academy of Social Sciences. As a social scientist myself, I can tell you that there really isn't any such thing as social science, which sounds like I'm denigrating my own area of expertise, and well, maybe I am, but I've seen the fraud firsthand in academia but the social sciences are where much of the sustainable development literature and policy design comes from, often, wor- often working hand-in-hand with activists in the hard science community. To give you an idea, the documents published by the Pontifical Academy in question are focused on diversity, planning, human rights, and other concepts that dominate the field of sustainable development. Combined with Laudato Si and its poorly written sequel, these organizations have a fir- official church sanction to pursue their strange agenda of turning, turning the church into a secular social, service, social sciences and social services activist agency. That's a mouthful. And again, they wonder why people no longer believe in the real presence and have left the church for Pentecostalism. I kind of doubt they'll actually ever figure it out. The real scandal of this document is that the text plainly states that the plan is to take Laudato C2, pagan boogaloo, global. Here's a couple of direct quotes to make my point. Quote, what is happening in Amazonia is also happening in the Congo Basin, in India, in the far east of Asia, and in the whole world, end quote. What is happening is the locals not converting because, according to this document, colonialism and the exploitation of peoples, not as Bishop Krautler admitted himself that, at least in the Amazon, he's never baptized an Indian in 25 years and refuses to do so, which in my mind is probably an act of apostasy, but only our Lord knows for certain. But here's the other quote that makes my point, quote, Some people trust us in regard to justice, education, health, and yet they go to Pentecostal churches to celebrate, to listen to the word of God, and to speak freely with God. We were told the story of two villages in Thailand, one evangelical where the people spent the whole of Sunday in church, sharing the Bible, discussing matters of the village. In the Catholic village, the people listen to the priest, the only one that speaks, and then they go home. There's nothing to share. It's a clerical church. We must learn from others. End quote. There's a lot there, including more of that anti-priest propaganda that we've become so used to that it's almost not noteworthy anymore. But notice that they're admitting that they want to bring their program of syncretism and error to the developing world by having the social ju- the, the focus be social justice and sustainability. It hasn't occurred to these people that the reason Pentecostalism is taking off in South America is because a Protestant t- that, that the Protestant error has a supernatural worldview, and our masters in the church no longer have that worldview except for their recognition of pagan spirits, which is the wrong kind of supernatural worldview. Combined with the missionary efforts of the church drying up in South America, you see South American countries having gone from 99% Catholic to about 40% Catholic. How did that happen? Look at the same bishops who had been working with the Germans to unleash this on the church. They want to export this liberation theology-inspired apostasy and schism to the church around the world. Imagine exporting liberation theology to Asia, India, and Africa, and you see what is only a recipe for disaster. And that says nothing about the paganism found within the document. That'll be something I go over tomorrow, and hopefully it'll be the last video on the Amazon Synod I do for a while. There are other stories to talk about, and, like you, I'm tired of the subject. I do, though, wonder if my purpose in doing all of this isn't to provide you more context about sustainable, sustainable development since that is the overwhelming theme of this pontificate, and frankly, that is what I spent a long time studying in my doctoral program. It's even the subject of my PhD dissertation framed in Catholic social teaching. I don't know, maybe I'm crazy for thinking such things. Anyway, until tomorrow, thank you for listening and keep praying for the Church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.